0: How hard is it to be coached? You show up, listen, and then great things happen, right? Well, according to Michael Bungay Stanner, we might be looking at being coached in the wrong way. He said, the term be coached lulls you into a false sense of complacency. It assures that you will be pushed, cajoled, encouraged, cheered on, provoked, supported, and so on. The coach does all the work. You just reap the benefits. It's a recipe for a disappointing experience and a terrible waste of time and money. This is why today we are focusing our conversation not on coaching, but on improving your coachability. The research shows there's a lot you can and need to do to guide your path to becoming a highly coachable leader. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zinger Folkman. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me again today is leadership and coachability expert Kevin Wildy. Hi there. Hi, Kevin. I'm sure you have had all sorts of stories from your years developing leaders in big corporations. So I'm curious, when did this light bulb moment? occur to you, that it actually wasn't about making leaders into better coaches, but the problem is actually on the other side.
1: Yeah, or or I'd say the opportunity. Uh, First, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of helping leaders develop and use great coaching skills. It's really important for today's workforce. Second, it is the half of the equation. It's a partnership between a leader and employee. So coachability is the other half to make it work. And then Third thing I'd say is investing in your coachability as an employee, and by the way, that could be any level in organization expands your opportunities to learn to be coached beyond the immediate boss and that's why I call coachability the superpower
0: yeah, I like that, and i've talked to my kids about being open to feedback and we ask them okay, how's your heart doing today like what's the condition of your heart? How is it looking?" Is there an open gate with a welcome sign on the door that says, come in? Or today, is there a padlock fence with chains and a sign that says, keep out, mom, I'm not going to listen to anything you say? <laughs> because if you're not in the right place, you're not going to be accepting the feedback or love that is being offered. And the conversation is really not going to go anywhere, no matter what I say. So. It's true that we need to kind of mentally be in a place where we're ready to listen and accept feedback. So as I read your chapter on this coachability roadmap and how it begins with this mindset that leaders have that they value self-improvement. It made me think of that visual of openness and that welcome sign on the door that team members see and feel from coachable leaders. So they're not afraid to give feedback So can you describe what leaders can do to get themselves into this? learning zone where they're valuing self-improvement.
1: Yeah, I love that example about, uh, you know, being open for it. But where this all began for me is when I was studying coachability and the leaders that do maintain their coachability. One study from zenger Foman really, really jumped out at me. We had, uh, I think it was about 300 leaders where we had their coachability behaviors as rated by others, you know, high, low. And then we also had a personality assessment of each of those leaders on the scale of confidence. So you think about what was the trend line between confidence and coachability? You know, what happens as your confidence increases from low to high? What happens to your coachability? Mm-hmm. And what we found was surprising. It, was, it wasn't a straight line. It was a curved line. And you think about the three spots, low coachability or low confidence, low coachability, right? And I call it the I can zone. Like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm stressed today. I'm feeling vulnerable, yeah. uh, whatever else. I'm just not ready for feedback, right? the opposite is almost way too much confidence. And that also scores low coachability. So the sweet spot's the middle. And the way I look at it is, you know, enough confidence to know that you can improve, that you can learn from others, that you can decide what to do with the feedback, but you're willing to ask. Yet you're not so confident that you don't care uh, or you're too busy to ask. So the sweet spot's in the middle. Uh, I recall I did some training last year for a large national organization, and I trained all of the field managers, and they got an assessment on their coachability, and we talked about the learning zone. And then I asked them a question. I said, look at your last 30 days. Honestly, what percent of your time did you really spend in your learning zone? Mm. The consensus, which I think was pretty uh, candid, was about 25%. I said, yeah, you know, we get busy, we got things going on, we're on autopilot, we're reacting to things. We're not consciously thinking about our self-improvement and being open for feedback. And my question was, well, for what you need to get done this year, is 25% good enough? And that's what I would offer our listeners. If you think about the times that you've been in your learning zone, I'm sure they were very beneficial. And the question is, how do you get in your zone more
0: yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of really, I love that. And just being really honest with yourself, like, are you in a learning zone? And it helps to dig down and kind of question what it is that's keeping you from it. Like, are you, why are you resisting feedback? And sometimes it's really layered. Oh, like you were, I love you're talking about confidence. There's a lot of insecurities or maybe unlearning that we need to work through. So, I really like this first step. It's so important. It can't be skipped to kind of really work through that and and understand like what, how do you feel about feedback and really face that? Because if you tell someone to do this next step and they haven't dealt with those demons or come to terms with, am I ignoring feedback or do I not care? Then it's all just going to fall apart from there. So After an individual has successfully entered the learning zone, the next step is one that we have preached about at Sanger Fogman for years, and that is asking for feedback. So Kevin, can you talk us through how leaders seek?
1: Yes, seek is one of the four practices I saw of highly coachable leaders. And it's the way that they stayed in their learning zone. And so uh, let me give a kind of definition here. First of all, the behavior of seek that we found Highly coachable leaders are intentional at regularly seeking input from others on how to improve. They signal that they are welcome feedback and ideas for improvement at any time. Let me give you a couple examples um, of what they're doing. I see highly coachable leaders when they're seeking, they're looking for opportunities to develop new skills or knowledge. You know, what are some new things I could be learning right now that I want to go out and seek? Uh, They seek advice from colleagues, peers, or mentors. So not just the boss, but all those around them. And they do ask their manager for coaching to help them improve.
0: I think it's so important. And maybe for those senior leaders that we talked about in our last podcast, was that this is not a sign of weakness when you move up, right? And we constantly find that leaders who ask for feedback are substantially more effective than leaders who don't. So in a study of 51,000 leaders, for example, those who ranked in the bottom 10% in asking for feedback were rated at the 15th percentile in their overall leadership effectiveness. And on the other hand, leaders who are at the top 10% of seeking and asking for feedback rated on average at the 86th percentile in their overall leadership effectiveness. So be a seeker. So the next part of this coachability roadmap that you have found is learning how to respond to that feedback after you get it. So Kevin, do we always need to say thank
1: you or is there more to this. Thank thank you is a good start. Obviously, whether you're asking for feedback or it shows up, having that mindset in the learning zone of being highly coachable, it's important to respond well, to respond openly with curiosity. Now, by the way, jump ahead a little bit. I don't think you have to act and believe every bit of feedback, but I think you have to listen to it. You have to digest it, if you will. So the, the, the workable definition I offer here about the respond behavior I see from highly coachable leaders is whether it's incoming feedback as a result of asking for it or not, highly coachable leaders respond in an open way. They allow the message to be given uninterrupted, and they probe to fully understand it. They show appreciation for the willingness to the other person to offer input. And I'll give you a couple examples we found in the research that highly coachable leaders, when they're receiving feedback, how they respond, they stay attentive. They stay composed. Uh, they express curiosity and interest. And they signal respect and gratitude when someone gives them feedback or advice. I tell my students and the people I coach, expect the feedback to be uh, messy. It's hard to give feedback, right? Uh, And so rather than being overly defensive or attacking it, appreciate what they're doing as they're trying to help you. So if you assume positive intent and practice an open response, it goes much better.
0: The Roman philosopher Marcus Aurelius stated, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. (laughs) I think it's good to keep that in mind. So I like this approach, your approach that you described of responding because it helps you think more critically about the feedback you're receiving and does it have merit, you know, and, and also the intent of which it was given. Uh, When we stop to consider the bigger picture, it helps us put feedback in its proper perspective. And that leads into your next step of reflect. So tell us more about that.
1: Right. So if you think about being in the learning zone, is you value self-improvement, you find ways to proactively seek input from others and ideas. You respond openly when it shows up. But then you take the time to think about it. And oftentimes I find leaders skip this step. They make an immediate reaction as opposed to like, wait a minute. I need to build in a reflect routine. What am I noticing? What am I hearing? You know, my definition, highly coachable leaders separate the openness and curiosity when receiving the feedback from the reflection and analysis of the message. They take the time to think if the feedback has merit and ways to use it to grow. They know they don't have to act on everything they hear, but they always should pause and reflect. A couple of examples I've seen of these things about thinking about, uh, I've heard something, how do I explore? How could I use this to keep improving? Thinking about how could I integrate this and apply new learning to some situations? And then contemplating feedback when considering alternatives and avenues to move forward. So in other words, uh, the, the approach to, to step back and think about what you've heard is a chance to connect the dots and see where's the value
0: in your book, uh, something I underlined was you expressed that, quote, low coachable leaders rarely step back to consider what was heard, the spirit it was offered in, or what value it might have. Without reflection, they miss the lesson being offered and repeat the same mistake over and over again, end quote. This is really valuable introspection. It's a vital step in knowing how to proceed forward and avoid those blind spots that you found in those derailed leaders. So the final step in the coachability roadmap is then to act. So how should leaders approach this final step?
1: Again, having been through the steps of I've heard something, I've learned something, I've, I've responded well, I've thought about it. And yes, um, it's important for me to, to act differently. And so uh, highly coachable leaders are credible and they continue to receive coaching from others because they, people see a difference. They do consider the feedback, and if they think it's important, they'll act on it. So I just offer that when deciding to act on feedback, highly coachable leaders start with a mindset of experimentation and achievement in small steps. Oftentimes, you've got the big change transformation project, but I find if it's a regular habit, you're making small adjustments. And then once you build momentum from early action, then you kick in with some sustaining strategies so that, if you will, a a new action or behavior becomes a habit. Uh, Examples of this, I've seen uh, people, uh, coachable leaders that set specific incremental goals uh, that they want to accomplish to continue to grow and improve, that they track it. Uh, One of the things I've noticed from highly coachable leaders that do respond well to feedback and act is they track their progress and they find ways of either journaling or keeping scores or sometimes just having a trusted advisor or a coach they could check in with. How am I doing on this? And that helps them stick that this new behavior becomes a habit.
0: These are a lot of steps. And sometimes I I keep thinking about how each one really is critical and can't be skipped. They all have to kind of go in order. And if you go straight into action without reflection, you might be doing the wrong thing. So I want to close with one last question. Is coachability just a trait with some people having it and some not? Are some people more inclined to it and more resistant? What What's your experience from your research?
1: Well, back to the learning zone, I just find that some people spend more time in their learning zone than others. And I'll just take it from there that you think about, you know, have I gotten so busy or, you know, uh, so <laughs> too much confidence or not enough that I'm not in that curious learning zone. Um, and I just find that some leaders completely fall out of their coachability zone. And the book, and if you will, the podcast is a chance to say, hey, how can you come back to that? Uh, so I'm optimistic. I do think uh, some people are universal coachable. They're always curious and everything. And some people I call on mission coachable. For me to achieve, to, to live the values, to have the impact I want, it's important for me to keep learning and being coachable. And with that mission, I do believe people can be more coachable.
0: Yeah. So once again, the roadmap of a highly coachable leader in action is someone who continues to seek feedback and ways to improve consistently, respond when given feedback openly, reflect on the message and its value meaningfully, and act on the decision to improve skillfully. Once you've clarified your why for greater coachability, your next job is to adopt new how-to strategies and tools for using these steps. We are excited to announce that help is on the way, Zenger Folkman has partnered with Kevin to create a coachability development experience. For decades, organizations have focused on developing leaders without properly preparing them to receive feedback. This coachability development experience allows leaders to avoid wasted time and investment by managing their resistance, elevating their responsibility, and establishing new habits for capturing the coachable moments that matter. There really is nothing like this on the market. It has been a major missing piece in preparing people for development. If you're interested in learning more about bringing this development experience into your organization, you can attend our upcoming webinar with Jack and Kevin to learn more or contact us directly at info@sangerfolkman.com. Kevin thank you again for this valuable research that you share today and for your mission to fill the world with more coachable leaders.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to the webinar.
0: The 90th percentile and unconventional leadership podcast was written and recorded by Brianna O'Corrin, Jack Zanger and Joe Folkman and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at ZangerFolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on ZangerFolkman.com.